Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Carrier. Turn to the experts. Roland, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hey, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. All right. Um, so I'm in Fairview, and we're about to close on the sale of our home. Um, the next place that we have lined up is in Fannin County, a little bit, you know, a little bit further north, um, 15 acres, and it's a, a barn dominium. <laughs> so it's basic, basically a metal building, um, very nicely done on the inside. Um, so that was one thing I wanted to mention. And then specifically, the downstairs part of it is where we're thinking about putting my mother. At the back of that room, there is a safe room. It's cinder block wall with uh you know smooth concrete floor okay um part of that part of that room has a already has a toilet and a sink i'm wondering if it would be viable to put in like an ada shower tub there's plenty of room i just didn't know how the drain might work is is it on an outside wall or inside wall since it's a safe room i'm assuming uh, it's kind of towards the middle of the building I would think at the end it would be on, on an outside wall. Okay. Then it'd be very easy to add a shower since there's all, you said there's a toilet in there, right? Already a toilet and a sink. Yeah, so that means you've got plumbing there, you got hot and cold water, and you got drain pipes underneath. So the worst thing you have to do is jackhammer a hole, dig over to where the drain pipes are for the drain for the uh, shower, and uh, you've got it. I mean, because you've got hot, hot and cold water there already, so it'd be very easy to add a shower in there. So if the the actual shower itself, say it's twenty five hundred or three thousand uh-huh. dollars, what, what would would you have any ballpark on a on a range for you know having someone just come out and install and you know turnkey? Well, obviously, it's going to depend on the materials you choose and stuff, but you're probably going to be looking at, by the time you do the plumbing and the shower, and we're, and, you know, we're going to say we're going to put in a decent shower, so you're probably going to be in the neighborhood of four to 6000 Yep, that's about what I was thinking. And I guess the only other question would be, I've never owned a place with metal, you know, metal roof, metal metal siding. Um, sure. Is there any any anything that I should know, or any concern with that, or none at all? I've got no. uh, I've got a couple of places like that, my offices, and it works extremely well. The insulation is you can do is is great. The probably the biggest thing you're gonna find is when it rains, you're darn sure gonna know it because it's all metal and it pings <laughs> something fierce. But other than that, uh, it, it's wonderful. <laughs> Right. And the last thing would be, I was talking to my insurance agent that, you know, has my current house. They can insure it, but he said they would not cover any cosmetic damage to either a metal roof or the metal walls. Right. So I assume that means if it were to hail and get all dented, as long as it doesn't damage the structural integrity, then I just have to put up with the dents or I have to. Correct. And that's that's on any house that has a metal roof. They don't cover the dings. They only cover it if it starts leaking. The reason they cover shingle roofs when they start getting damaged isn't because they start to leak, but because 
they know it's going to leak down the road. But I will tell you that that metal holds up better than a car does in the hailstorm. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, that eases my mind because I just finalized the paperwork about 30 minutes ago. Oh, well, that's a fine time to call me after you're already done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, yeah, it looks looks like uh, I'm on track, so... You'll enjoy it. It, it, it. Really, those metal buildings do make wonderful structures for, for housing and stuff. All right. Well, uh, man, I really appreciate your help. Take care. Jim, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Thank you, Jim. Uh, I have a question because you know how they do the mailboxes with the bricks? Yes, sir. And all that? Of course, you know, with the drainage between the houses, mine is tilting back, and any time it rains, all my mail gets wet. Yep. So I'm trying to figure out what to do to straighten it up, and with homeowners and all that, they want everything brick. And I'm just trying to figure out how I can get it back straight from leaning, you know, back into the yard. Yeah. Unfortunately, how big a mailbox is it? Because unfortunately, most of them are made so small, there's not much you can do to, you know, lean them one way or the other. Yeah, well, you know, in the neighborhood, they have two mailboxes, one for my house and one for my neighbors. Uh huh. And I'm afraid that I don't know what's underneath the bricks. And I thought about, you know, putting a piece of plywood behind it, digging out. On the back side and the sides. Yep. And using mule rope to pull it back up straight. But I don't know if that's going to work or crumble all the bricks. You you would probably pull it off, you know, pull the brick apart doing that. That's what I didn't want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> now, the, the reason I'm asking how big it is, uh, is, is it like a two-foot-by-two-foot two mailbox, the, the brick? Uh, probably... Two or three foot, because it carries two mailboxes. Oh, because it has two. Okay, it's got two of them in. Okay. And is it leaning towards the back direction or towards one of the sides? It's leaning to the back. Okay, so it's the narrow part that's leaning then. Yeah, it's about, I guess it's kind of squared, but I don't know. Okay. What you can try, and I can't guarantee this is going to work, but... There are two things that can pick it up. One would be, you know, uh, to get a urethane truck out there. They can inject foam down underneath there and try to pick up the backside to get it to lean. The other is you can literally dig a hole down there, just notch in underneath the concrete a little bit in order to set a jack, jack it up, and then you can, you know, fill underneath it with... uh, uh, soil or concrete or something to pack in yeah. with the dirt in order to hold it there. And I'm going to tell you, it will move again. No question about it. It will move yeah, again. But because it it's right where, since I'm yeah. on a slant, all my drainage goes right yep. down, right where the mailbox is. Yep. And be, and because it's in these Texas soils that expand and contract, you know, it, these things are subject to movement. I will tell you this. Typically, when somebody calls me about a mailbox, I tell them it is cheaper to just tear the thing down 
and build a new one than it is to repair yeah. them. Because literally, there are guys out there building these things for $300. Barry, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Yeah, I just had a question, uh, not a question, but a comment for the guy with the leaning mailbox. Yes. To have him use a a toe jack. It's kind of like a pot jack with a lip on it. And that's how I did my, uh, that's how I did my garage, like uh-huh. on the corner. Dig down like maybe three, four inches so you can get the toe jack lip underneath it. Jack it up three, four inches and, you know, jam some rocks or yep. uh, like some a concrete rock or something yeah, underneath exactly. there. Yeah. So that was my, my comment is a, is a toe jack would be perfect. And okay. you can rent those. Sounds like a good idea. So those my two cents. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Barry. Take care. Again, our number, 1-800-288-9227. And I will give you a heads up, but, you know, when you pick something like that up and it's lightweight that way, uh, you know, used to be we'd just wash sand underneath to hold it. We use we have a urethane truck that we can inject urethane, but, you know, as a homeowner, you can get uh, urethane in a can. Great stuff is nothing but a urethane. Now, they've got different strengths in the urethane, so you got to get one that's stout. Uh, I will tell you, the red can of great stuff sets up extremely hard, and for a lightweight thing like a mailbox, more than likely that's going to be strong enough to hold it. So you get it up, you got just that little one or two inch gap underneath there, you stick the straw underneath there, inject as much of the foam, fill in that void as you can, and still wash in sand and stuff to, to hold it, and you'll probably have it for a few years anyways, back in place like it needs to be. Chuck, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Question for you concerning the slab. Yes, sir. Uh, I've got a, a rental property, and, and it seems that the slab is crowned up, and it's got those cables in it. Okay. It, it looks to me like maybe one of the cables has broken and, and pushed up in the middle. Does y'all's company handle stuff like that? Is it just a ridge down through the middle, or when you say crowned up, I, I pictured like a, a larger area that has domed up. It's a ridge. I've got ceramic tiles throughout the house. Okay. Well, incidentally, it, it, it crowned or uh, ridged up right in a crack. It didn't break any of the tile. Yep. But it's just, you know, all the way across the living room, and then I can feel a, uh, a rise in the bedrooms, you know, where the same cable would be running across. Yeah, chances are real good it's not a cable problem, uh, and it's not a foundation problem. It's normally caused by the expansion and contraction of the concrete with temperature changes. The tile expands and contracts at a different rate. Now, and now this this and ridge it, is, is about an inch and a half, two inches tall. It's not yep. no minor thing. Yeah, no, and, and that's exactly what they do. And the larger area of tile you have, the more likely you are to get one of those. And the amazing thing is, it normally doesn't happen, you know, in the first couple of years. It's it's usually something that happens, you know, like six to twelve years later. Yeah, well, you you hit the timeline pretty accurate. Yep. So it, it's it's very common, and really, what uh, what it sounds like you need uh, isn't going to be a foundation guy. You're going to need a tile person, and in some cases, if the tiles haven't gotten cracked yet. They literally can take those tiles out, clean them up, 
and and lay them back down because you know finding those same tiles is probably going to be next to impossible after they're a few years old so uh, if you're lucky enough that they can clean them up they can be reused but in in a lot of cases they can't be yeah i can do the tile work myself i've done plenty of that but I was just concerned it was a foundation problem with the cable breaking and popping up. If typically, if the if the cable has broke and pops up, if you go outside, you see where the little cups are. Yes, they would pop out. Oh, okay. And right. so chances are good it's not that it's not the the cable broke. Uh, now I will tell you if if you're going to do it yourself. They make some special mastics that have some elasticity to it for, for putting the tiles in. Yes, sir. Uh, make sure you use that. Since you know that there's a hairline crack down through there, that'll minimize the chance of this happening again. Okay. Well, it kind of eases my mind a little bit, the chances that it's not a foundation. Oh, yeah. I, I, we get this call every year. Uh, you know, from multiple people where when these cold fronts come through and then boom, that, that thing pops up like that and everybody thinks they've got a, a major foundation problem and and uh, 99% of the time they don't. Let me ask you this, though. It, it's also in the bedrooms where there's carpet. Well, now that's a different, that's a different thing. You could have a, a cable that popped in. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it actually goes underneath the wall and then continues a little bit into a bedroom where there's carpet. So that's why I was thinking it was a cable. Why don't you call my office and have one of the guys come out and take a look at it? Okay, I thank you. You bet, Chuck. Take care. Another Chuck in Lake Jackson. How can I help you? Yeah, thanks, Jim. Um, so I need some help with my sidewalk. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's uh, my house is uh, 25 years old. And um, the sidewalk is is pretty, um, you know, uneven and yeah. uh, cracked in spots, and it's a tripping hazard. And so, um, okay, I got three questions. One is, should I just go ahead and replace it, or what's your opinion of mud jacking? And the third question is, I got a big tree, and I'm wondering if the roots are what damaged it in the first place, and do I need to do something about that? Well, let's start with number three. Yes, it's probably tree roots that are causing it because the, the tree, not only can the roots push up on the sidewalk, but they all it, they also take the moisture out of the soil, which can cause the other side to drop down. So trees definitely are probably, no pun intended, but the root cause of the problem. Yeah, right. As far as should you take it out or not, it really is going to depend on how bad it is. Uh, mud pumping or urethane can be injected underneath it to, in a lot of cases, bring them back up. But once they get so bad, then, yeah, it, it comes to the point where just take it out and put a new one. Okay. So there really isn't anything I can do about the roots, right? I mean, other than, is there, I mean, if I'm going to replace the sidewalk, do I need to, uh, is there anything I can do? Or is it just going to, the root's just going to cause it to happen again? Well, you can do root barriers, but typically I don't recommend it on that side of the tree. I normally reserve root barriers to be on the house side of the tree to protect the foundation. Yeah. Uh, because if you put it on the the other side, and, and I'm, you know, in my mind I'm picturing the sidewalk in front of the house that it's, runs. Yeah, but it's a big front yard, so okay. the tree's far away from the house. Okay. 
well, but what will happen is once you put a root shield in, the tree will send roots off in the other directions to make up yeah. for, the, for the loss of roots on that side. Yeah. And you don't want to send them towards the house. That's the reason when you drive through a lot of neighborhoods with trees lining the roads, you, you know, you're up and down and up and down because they take the moisture out and cause all these problems. And so I, uh, most of the time I don't recommend putting them on the roadside of a tree. I typically okay. reserve it for the house side. And, and really, let's be realistic, how long will it take for that tree to tear that sidewalk up again? Usually you're talking something in the 15 to 25 year span. Oh, okay. You're, you're not talking right. something that's going to happen in the next year or two. Okay, well, that's that's good information. I appreciate it. All righty. Take care. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, tree roots can do a tremendous amount of damage, but you know you got to be careful. You got to think about it. When you sever the tree's roots on one side, it's got to put more out in the other directions to make up for that loss. Mark, how can I help what's you today? Yeah, what's going on, young fella? Not a whole lot. How about you? Well, uh, my wife wants me to build a house or have one built, either way. <laughs> hmm. uh, and anyway, what? What she's looking at is uh, that, uh, oh, I don't know what they call it, the styrofoam block where you put concrete in the center of it. Oh, uh, yeah. I think it's Nudera or something. I don't know. Yeah. Sorry, it's something from Canada. Uh, is that any good for this climate down here in the Houston area? Oh, yeah. It's, it's no problem at all for the climate. Uh, what you're going to find is it's an extremely strong house. So, you know, when a hurricane comes in or anything, you don't really have a lot to worry about on that. But it's also expensive to build because oh. stick construction is extremely cheap to build, you know, using two-by-fours and stuff. With that, you basically you have these blocks. It's It's like a big Lego set. You put all the blocks together of styrofoam, then the... The concrete pours down between the styrofoam panels. Then you cut the styrofoam in order to run your electric and plumbing and all that stuff. And then you coat over the styrofoam on the outside with a stucco or a siding of some kind. On the inside, you put sheetrock. By the time you do all that, you've got a lot of money and time into it. I love the construction, though, and i, I got to be honest. I've actually uh, used those same forms to to pour uh, the beams around pier and beam homes. Yeah. Yeah, when, like, like I, I did one one time from 1895. We picked it up three feet in the air, pour, took out the old beam and, and put a new one around it and then set the house back down on it. They are extremely easy to work with. So if it's something you wanted to do yourself, you actually could, and that would save a ton of money. And as far as putting the concrete in, it doesn't take a lot of people because the concrete truck comes and you have a concrete pump there that you just you know, pump it through the hose to fill the forms up. So it's relatively easy to work with. Oh, okay. All righty. Well, I'll... Talk to my wife and see how she enjoyed your explanation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will tell you, if I was building a new house, and uh, are you building this in city limits or out in the country? Out in the country. 
if I was building a new house out in the country, I would look at two ways of doing it, and that wouldn't be one of them. I would look at either traditional stick construction, or I would look at the uh, metal buildings and doing a barnuminium type thing. Oh, okay. That's just Sound me, like though. Well, but I am kind of closer to the coast, but I'm just out of city. Yep. Uh, so, all right. Good luck, Mark. Thank you, Jim. Thank you very and, much. Hey, let me know what, what size house your wife wants out of that concrete, because you know that's the way you're going, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> bye. Bye. I've been married 30, coming up on 33 years. You, you, you got to know when you're going to win and when you're not going to win. And if the wife wants a house built a certain way, just build it. Keep life simple. Let's see. Let's talk with uh, Reginald. Welcome to KTRH. Hi, this is the other half of Reginald. How you doing? I'm doing just fine. Oh, what did Reginald do that you that he had to give you the phone? Well, he was dialing for me because I was driving. <laughs> oh, okay. That's a good answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I was listening to you all earlier, and y'all were talking about the windows. Yes. And being Hurricane, uh, you know, the WPA. Now I live in uh, Beaumont. So what I'm wondering is, and I also heard them talking about being, if you're further inland, uh-huh. you don't have to have them certified or you don't have to have the same certification? You don't have to have them certified. Okay. So how can I tell if we are far enough inland where we don't have to be certified? I know we do for the roofs. If you do for the roof, you do for the windows. Okay. Yeah, it's it, it, it's if you're in a wind certification area, everything has to be wind certified. Okay. So do they grandfather in what you already have? As far as the windows, yes. Right. Okay. Or if you purchase it, 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 but but if you if you go to replace the windows, then the new windows have to meet the certification. Same with like the roof and other things. If uh, and even the way the the buildings are built, you know, the new ones have to have hurricane straps and all that stuff. But if you've got an old building, it, it obviously doesn't have all that. You don't have to put it in unless you start doing a major remodeling and you're opening all those areas up, then they would require it. Marty, welcome to KRLD. How can I help you? Uh, hello? Yes, sir. Go ahead. Yeah, I've got... Um... My house, brick house, I got a lot of water standing in the front of it from a driveway, a circle driveway, so I don't have uh, a way to drain it out. I, I mean, I don't have the equipment to go up under the concrete, so what do I do, build the, uh, the, the front of it up so the water well, can roll out? I got gutters and stuff, but it's still not heavy. And where's I wouldn't fully understand where is the water standing on the is it on the concrete itself or next to no, it on no it's it's standing next to my house uh up under my window ledge okay yeah you obviously have to do something to correct the drainage how much of the foundation is is showing oh about half how many inches is that though um I'm looking at probably about Maybe two inches, two and a half inches. Okay, so that means you can't add any soil because technically you should have like three or four inches of foundation showing. So you're going to have somehow have to either dig some trenching to drain it off, and if there's no place to do that, you may have to put catch basins uh, and sump pumps to pump it off, but somehow you got to deal with this water. 
if that water is left standing there, it can do two things to your foundation. One, it'll cause that side to first start to heave and swell up. If we get into a real wet period and there's standing water there for a prolonged period of time, the soil will actually start turning to mush and drop down. Uh, the, the, you know, let the foundation start settling into the mud. So uh, this is something that can really cost you a ton of money if it's not addressed sooner than later. Well, yeah, it, it, it already did. On one side of my house, the foundation dropped, and mm-hmm. which, which I didn't have a lot of, I didn't have water standing on that side, but on the left side, that's where the water is standing at, and I didn't have the foundation problem on that side. Yeah. Now, is, is your lot totally flat, or does it, does it have some slope to it? Uh, it has, uh, no, it's totally flat. Okay. Well, that that's not going to leave you a whole lot of options, then. You're going to end up probably putting in surface drains with a catch basin and a pump to pump the water out to the road, then. Okay. Okay. Or just go up on the, find a device I can go up under the driveway, up under the concrete, and run... Uh, a drainage out through there. Yeah, because you got to cross the dri- the driveway to get out right. to the road. Yeah, you, right. you can. There's boring machines that you can actually pass the the pipe up underneath the driveway without having to cut it. Okay, great, great. All right, uh, thank you, Marty. Good luck with that. Thank you, Sandra. Welcome to KRLD. Hi, thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. Uh, I've got a dilemma. I really don't know where to start with it. I have a um, pure and bean house, uh-huh. a frame house, and in the back there was a concrete uh, breezeway with a screened-in porch. And now they've converted, somebody converted that room into a bedroom. And now the, the floor will sweat. Yeah. I just don't think, the, you know, the concrete was a thick enough foundation. And I don't even know where to start to fix that. Well, it's probably not so much the thickness of the concrete as much as it is that was originally put in as outdoor concrete, which means okay. it's got no no uh, vapor barrier under it at all, more than likely, yeah. uh, which is nothing more than a sheet of plastic. Uh, now, a lot of times people get confused and think that's going to waterproof, you know, for moisture coming in, but it, it really doesn't all... The the original purpose for putting plastic down was to slow the drying time of concrete so it didn't crack. But what they realized was it also keeps moisture from coming up through the soil and getting into the room. Now, let me ask you a question here, though. You mentioned that it was an add-on room. Is it air-conditioned as part of the original house, or is it standalone? Um, it is a part of the original house now. Okay, so the AC system does extend out into that room? Yes. And are you do you have all the vents open in that room? Um No, not necessarily. And that that in itself could be the problem. Okay. Uh and I and I say that because a lot of times people don't realize but what the air conditioning system does is de- dehumidify. And if you don't have good air circulation in that room, 
the humidity levels go up, the floor starts to sweat, and you got that moisture problem. It happens a lot of times in garages during certain times of years. Uh, but typically, if you will open up all of the AC vents and the return air going to the AC system, in other words, don't close that room off from the rest of the house, uh, I think that should take care of the problem normally. Okay. Now, if it doesn't, what do you have on that floor for flooring? Anything? Uh, actually, I put indoor-outdoor carpeting just as okay. a precaution. Uh-huh. Okay. And, and that's totally fine. I gotten, you, you made a very good choice with that uh, just because of the issue you're having. So I would open up the doors to the room, open up the vents, let the air circulate, and see if that clears up the problem. If it does, then you can put down most any floor you want. I'd still be cautious on putting wood floors in there, but uh, you know, if you wanted to put a tile or a different type of carpet or something, you would more than likely be fine because they would be breathable and be able to handle any moisture that does come up. Don't be surprised, though, if we get into an extremely wet period, if you don't get a little bit of moisture coming up through the concrete, because you're probably correct in that it wasn't thick enough not that the that the flat part's not thick enough, because that's probably four inches, but I'm betting they don't have beams around the perimeter of it to help keep some of the moisture from going under it. Okay, so um, I'll try to think, and I appreciate your input. You bet. Take care, Sandra. Uh-huh. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Again, our number, 214-787-1080. Sandra, there was one other thing. If that doesn't clear it up completely, there are some sealers that you can paint on concrete now that would help somewhat with with moisture coming through. But if it's a sweating of the concrete due to the, the vents not being opened and stuff, it would still sweat on top. What the sealers would help with, and it, it's minimal help that they'll provide, but moisture that tries to wick through the concrete. Uh, and those are readily available. Uh, Quickcrete makes some. Deitch Coating makes some. There's several brands out there. Jerry, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How can I help you? Hey, boss. Quick question for you. I got a, a home that was built in 1979. It's about 2,000 square feet. And I'm debating on staying in the concrete or having that, I hate to use the term, uh, groove, but that snap together wood flooring. I just need some advice on that. What one do you like the looks of better? I like the staining, but I've noticed it's pretty expensive. And yes. My house is way out in the country, so my options are really limited on who I can contact. Now, I can I go up to the, the local, you know, Big Box Home Improvement place and get the tongue and groove, uh, that snap-together stuff. But I really like that stained concrete. I had it uh, in a place in Dallas once, and uh, I really did like it. But, I, you know, it's the expense factor I'm looking at right now, I guess. Yeah, it, it is very expensive to do stained concrete as compared to putting in snap-type floors. Uh, I tell you, when you're in town, go buy one of the floor and decor locations because they've got a lot of floors that are extremely easy to install uh, okay. and, and you know you could get whatever look you're going for that way and it'd be less expensive but more importantly is, is at least for me is it gives it a more homey feel and especially if you ever do decide to sell yeah. the, the wood floors would sell better than stained concrete I have never thought about that fact as a matter of fact 
uh, I will probably end up selling the place after I get it fixed up. Oh, and, uh, without question, then without question, go with with a, a wood or laminate type floor, not a stained okay. floor. All right, man. Hey, you said it was floor and decor, one of their locations. Floor and decor. Well, you said this is out of the country. Where is it coming? Where are you coming from? <laughs> Little town called Wills Point, Texas. Okay. I don't know. Sorry, I, guess, I don't. I don't know where Wills Point, Texas, is. So I'm sorry to say. About, that's all right, man. It's about 50 miles east of Dallas. Okay. Well, if you're east of Dallas, when you come in over in Mesquite, there's a floor and decor location over there. All right, man. That works. I'll hit them up uh, one day this week. I appreciate it. You bet. Take care. Yes, sir. I'll call you next week. Sounds good. At 214-787-1080 and you know, I've been to that one in Mesquite several times they do have they the, the beautiful thing about floor and decor stores a lot of them they, they took in old you know Home Depots Walmarts things like that so they're huge and they have the floors in stock but they got a larger selection on all these hard floors than just about any store a larger selection than any store I've ever seen, whether it's tile or wood or the laminates, they can truly help you out with that. Uh, and like I said, if you're really, if you're going to be looking at resale without question, I, I probably personally would even go with wood over the laminate, especially for resale, just because of the looks and it makes it have a higher end feel to the home, especially above stained concrete. Um, not that there's a lot of people who like stained concrete, but it very much limits your your buying market uh, going with a stained floor. On top of that, the choices in the colors and, and everything that you can get with the wood floors and laminates and things like that. And there's, there's a lot of laminates. That you, I mean, you really can't tell that they're not wood anymore. There's also a lot of ceramic tiles that you can't tell aren't wood. So you got some really good choices there. They're easy to install. And Floor and Decor has classes every Saturday on how these floors should be installed. Whether you're going to put it in yourself or hire a contractor, uh, you can take a look at it that way. John, this is Jim. How can I help you? I've got a question for you about a pure and beam house that we have out in Canton, Texas. It's about three feet off the ground. And... Uh, I've had insulation installed up underneath the flooring, and I'm uh, curious if that's a good thing or a bad thing. What kind of insulation did you install? Fiberglass. Oh, well, keep my number handy. In about uh, four years, call me so I can replace the wood. Yep, that's what I wondered. Yep. Okay, it's my only question, I've heard that before, but the person I was talking to that's from around there um, they said with the sandy soil, it doesn't retain the moisture um, like your clay soils do. And because it's three feet off the ground and there's adequate airflow underneath the house, they didn't think that would be an issue. I didn't know if that was correct or not. Well, do you have a skirting around it? We do have a skirting, but there's plenty of vent holes in it. You know, it probably won't happen as fast, but here's what I would tell you to do. Go on. How long has the insulation been there? A year. Okay. Go underneath, pull it down in a couple air areas, and just look and see if you're getting any type of wood 
discoloration or anything yet. Okay. Because before the wood starts to rot, you know, it's going to you're, you're going to see that the the insulation is holding the moisture and you'll start seeing that on on the wood that it starts to darken and get some patches where mildews will start to grow and stuff like that. If you got any of that happening, get the insulation out and you'll save that wood. Leave it there and you will be replacing it. And I I will tell you I had a guy call me yesterday and he asked me uh, about a house down in the Houston area that he is, uh, it's his brother's house, and he's he's from here in Dallas, and he's having to take care of it. His brother passed away, and they were they were interested in insulating underneath it and what that might run. And he says, "What's the most expensive foundation job you've ever had to do on a block and base like that?" And there were there was one time sixty five thousand dollars to replace all the wood underneath the house. Wow, it, you know it, it's it's one of those things where I know why people do it, but in the long run they're really harming themselves. If you really want insulation underneath there, use a spray foam insulation, closed cell, so it takes on no moisture, and you right. really only need an inch or two of it to it seals the air. And uh, that little bit of insulation, you know, keeps the cold air from just rising up and getting on your toes. Okay. Because I, I will tell you, it, it will, it does not do anything to make a house more energy efficient. The only right. thing the insulation does under the home is make it a little bit more comfortable for your bare feet. Right. And that's that's the reason for it. And my, yep. my in-laws live in the house, and uh, that, was, that was the reason, uh, you know, we went that direction was because they were... Yep. Worried well, or concerned about the cold feet. You're you're fighting a losing battle when you're dealing with in laws though. <laughs> well, they're they're good people. <laughs> not really check it out. If if it's not causing any harm, you can keep an eye on it. But in general, I would tell you don't do it. Right. Okay. I understand and I appreciate it. All right, John. Take care. Thanks, Jim. Mary Lou, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hi, Sam. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. How about you? Well, I'd be doing better if you could tell me, fix, help me fix my problem. I'll do my best. I have a lake house out on Lake Tawakini, and um, I'm getting... Well, so far, we're heading down the right road for me to help you. Oh, really? Oh, oh yeah. Lake house out on Lake Tawakini, that's right up my alley. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I'm having this issue with some white stuff coming up from the ground. Uh-huh from the flooring and um it's like in in my fireplace and like the brick in the fireplace is starting to disintegrate yep and it looks like a white fuzz and uh almost like cotton candy yes it's called efflorescence well i looked that up but it's also like in the floors and like we have a detached garage and there's also like yeah is that what that is that that's what it is and what and, and causes well, how do you it? Fix that? Yeah, what causes that is moisture when it gets into the concretes and masonry and stuff. It, there's a uh, basically when there's certain types of rock and minerals used, uh, it allows this efflorescence to grow. It doesn't really damage anything, but the fact that you're having bricks that's deteriorating is that some Mexican brick by chance? Real soft. That's no idea. Yeah. More than likely it is. Uh, on the fireplace, what I would tell you is you need to use a masonry sealer. 
a masonry sealer? Yes, ma'am. And it, okay. it's, it's nothing but a, a liquid that you would spray on. It soaks in, and it, it keeps the moisture then from penetrating into the brick, and that will minimize that effervescence in the fireplace. On a garage floor, it's a lot harder to do simply because you get moisture coming up through the concrete, and that's what causes the effervescence. Uh, typically, in an air-conditioned space, we don't really deal with this a whole lot. It's normally an unair conditioned space, but they do make some sealers. Both Quickcrete and Deitch Coatings makes a sealer that you can put on there to minimize the effervescence in a garage floor. And it's just rolled on with a paint roller, soaks into the concrete, and helps to minimize that. But on the outside, like I said, just a masonry sealer that you can spray on with a pump-up sprayer like a bug sprayer. Mm-hmm. It soaks into the brick. It doesn't change the color of the brick or anything, but it seals it and keeps that moisture from going through. Is it, is it coming from? It's coming from underneath the ground, right? Not from the top. Well, on the fireplace, it more than likely is coming from the top. On the garage floor, it will be coming up from the ground. Okay, because I'm also having some, like some of that same white stuff coming up. Uh, like we have ceramic floors out there. Yep. And, and it's coming through the floors, too. Yeah, it's coming up through where the grout lines are. Right. Yep. So is there anything I can do around the house to keep that from coming up? Well, or? you can try to control the moisture around the house. Make sure you don't have any standing water. And if you got any groundwater that's moving through the area, you you know, you could put in a French drain to capture that. And that will minimize it. But chances are it's not going to eliminate it because oh. it is a just a natural pro process that when it gets moisture into that concrete, that it, that it grows that stuff. And that's the reason for that coating that you can put on there. Now that the fact that you got tile down, you know, if that's a, if that's an area that's air conditioned, you need to keep the air conditioner on all the time, summer and winter, to keep it dehumidified, and that will eliminate that issue. Okay. Well, I have a dehumidifier in the house, but obviously, I guess I need more than just you that. Could, one yeah, you there, could probably right? put one out in the garage, and it would take care of it there as well. My parents did that for years and never had the issue. Okay. All right. Well, thank right. you so much. I appreciate your help. Take care, Mary Lou. All right. You too. Bye. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.